I get asked um, sometimes, why are we doing the Gospel Project? Why are we taking three years and going through the Bible chronologically from beginning to end? This is why. This is why we're going to take three years. Because God and His Word decided not to leave us in our state of sin, but made a way that we might have life. Most Christians, and I, I mean, I, I grew up in the church. I grew up going to Sunday school, and I grew up, uh, I grew up, I went to a Christian school. I didn't understand how all of God's Word fit together. I didn't understand a lot of the Old Testament and how things fit together. That's why we're here. That's why we study God's Word, because everything from Genesis to Revelation is about what God's, God's Word and God's plan. It's His gospel. It's His good news. And this morning... We looked at, in our, in our Bible study time, we looked at God zeroing in. God, the, we finished the first 11 chapters of Genesis where God created the world. We saw sin enter the world. We are, we've already seen judgment enter the world. We've seen man rebelling against God, sin thriving. And um, here in chapter 12, we switch focuses. And we're going from, we're switching from God and how He deals with all of mankind to now God zeroing in on one man and his family, Abraham. In Genesis chapter 3, God had promised, right in that whole part about the fall when God brought judgment, He promised the seed of the woman, someone from Eve's line, was going to come and break the curse and pay the price, and set things right. His name is Jesus. And here God it takes the next step in His plan, in this rescue plan, and zeroes in on one man, on Abraham, and says, okay, not just from any man and any line of Eve, but from your line is going to come the one. It's going to come the Savior. It's going to come His Son. Look with me in Genesis chapter 12, and we looked at several passages this morning already. We're going to zero in um, in, our, in the message this morning on just these four verses in Genesis chapter 12, when God first speaks to Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old, when he departed from Haran. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day, the day that you have made. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you did not leave us in our sin, but you sent, your, you sent yourself. You sent us a Savior. This morning I thank you for your covenant and your call on Abraham and your promise to him. And Lord, we stand here today reaping the results of your promise and you keeping your word. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. This section of Scripture is called the the call of Abraham. It's when God picked Abraham out to do a special thing in his life. And, And by so doing, blessing all of us. This morning I want to just zero in a little bit on the call of God. The call of God and what that means. And the first point this morning that we learn from this passage of Scripture is God calls us to listen to His voice. God calls us to listen to His voice. Verse 1, don't miss this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Who's doing the speaking? Yeah, God is. It's not Abram. It's not Abram telling God, God, this is what you're going to do. You're going to do this. You're going to bless me this way. I'm going to do this. Who takes the first step? It's God. God speaks first. God speaks. We've already seen in Genesis, God's Word is powerful. It is by the very Word of God that He spoke the world into existence. It's by His very Word that He judged sin. It's by His Word that He promised a Savior. God's Word is powerful. Our Word, it sometimes changes. Our Word, sometimes we can't really bank on our Word because we may have good intentions, God's the only one who is always faithful in His Word. God is the only one who always keeps His promises. God's the only one who can keep all His promises. I I can promise my children things, but I don't know the future. I don't know what tomorrow holds. The only things that I can promise them that I know will never fail are the very promises of God, that He will love them, And He will never leave them or forsake them. And here with Abraham, Abraham's first step in dealing with the call of God on his life is hearing God's voice. Imagine. I mean, think about this. Just in what we've studied so far in Genesis, we see God speaking and then we see people rebelling in sin. God speaking and then rebelling in sin. In the last chapter, in chapter 11, what did we see happen? We saw man gathering together and building the Tower of Babel, making their own way to God. We're going to make, instead of making God's name great, we're going to make whose name great? Our name. We want our name on the billboard. We're going to take God out. Instead of following God's path to heaven, we're going to make our own path to heaven. Sounds kind of familiar to today, doesn't it? Has man changed? Has humankind changed? We really haven't changed a whole lot. We wear different clothes and we uh, have, you know, smartphones and things like that. I think smartphones make us dumber. I mean, I really do. We get more dependent upon them uh, for things. We can't even, uh, sometimes, sometimes this is, this doesn't happen in your house. It happens in my house. Amy and I look at each other and we say, What's the temperature today? Is it going to be hot or cold? 
Do we go outside? Do we even look outside? No, what do we do? Well, the weather app isn't working right now. I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm supposed to wear a jacket or, or whatever. I mean, all these things. Technology has progressed, but in our hearts we're still the same. We're still fallen. God, this is in here in, in chapter 12, this is the first point at which God has spoken since God's judgment against Babylon and the Tower of Babel. Now, we don't know, um, you know, we don't know exactly how much time uh, had passed. We've got um, the descendants of Shem here that kind of build us a timeline ostensibly hundreds of years at minimum have passed since the Tower of Babel when we get to, get to Abraham. Where God had been silent. And one man hears and responds to the voice, to the word of God. Imagine being Abraham and hearing God's word for the very first time. Your father had never heard God's word. Your grandfather had never heard God's word. No one that you went to school with ever heard God's word. God's word was not in your vocabulary. And hearing God's word for the very first time. I imagine it was... Something that got his attention. I imagine it was something that made him stop and made him think. God spoke to Abraham, and I believe that God speaks today. God speaks through his written word. Abraham did not have the benefit of the written word of God. We have it. In fact, we have multiple... Copies of God's most most Christians have more uh, more Bibles in their house than they have cats or dogs or pets. Um, we have more access to God's Word through through technology now. You can pull up on your smartphone any dozens of English translations. Not like there's places in the world today that a either don't have a copy of God's Word in their language, or b if they do, they have one or maybe just parts of the New Testament or the Gospel of John. In English, we're blessed. We have a multiplicity of translations available to us today. And people ask me about what translations to use. I preach out of the ESV. That's my, that's my preferred translation. The translation you should get is the one you'll read. I really don't care if it's King James and you'll read it, get that one. If it's the Men's Outdoor Study Bible that's got camo on it, and that'll help you read the Bible, go buy that one and read it. But God has given us His written word. God speaks, I believe, through His written word. I believe God speaks through godly counsel. Some of the most, uh, the, the greatest times in my own personal life, I felt like God was speaking to me. God was using someone else to do it. It could have been a pastor. Sometimes it was a friend or a teacher or a coach. And maybe they didn't even really even know it at the time. But God was using them to speak. I believe that God speaks through the Holy Spirit. 
I, I believe God can speak to you just like He spoke to Abraham. I, I don't think there's anything... God is all-powerful. He can do it. If God wants to do that, He can do that. There's, when I receive the call to ministry, that's the time I most visibly and physically experienced hearing the voice of God. Literally felt His hand on my shoulder at that moment. The invitation was given. I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was calling me to preach. And I knew if I did anything else, I'd be miserable. That was real. And the question is, with Abraham, he had a choice of whether he listened to God's voice or not. And God's call, the first step in God's call is to listen to His voice. We must Listen to His voice and to His Word above all else. Here's the, Again, this doesn't happen at your house. It happens in mine. Um, we have uh, two little children we are so blessed with. And um, when I was growing up, we didn't have this thing called Netflix. Netflix is out. Netflix, for about $10 a month, you can watch on demand thousands of cartoons. I mean, it's, it's like cocaine for children. I mean, it's almost like cocaine for children. I mean, when I was growing up, you had to get up Saturday morning at like 6 o'clock to start watching the cartoons. And when Soul Train came on, it was over. You know, it was over. You know what I'm talking about. That was like the last one. And it was so funny. They even like made Soul Train. They were trying to like convert you over because the, the train on the Soul Train, he was, he was animated. And then it, that was like the last cartoon. As soon as the Soul Train chewed in, you know, it was over. And um, now they have Netflix, and it, they will pipe into your home commercial-free, and they even, like, they even get you, too, because um, when it first came out, you could watch one show, and then it would stop, and you had to go back to the menu, and you'd have to click the next show, and then they figured out, oh, we can get you to watch longer if we just autoplay. And now your kids can sit in front of a screen or a tablet, or a TV. Y'all, you, your grandparents, you're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about, but your kids have it. You know you know what I'm talking about. And they can get zoned in. Right now, it's either, we have two choices, basically, in our house right now. Wild Kratts, that's the name of the show. It's about animals. Or the Magic School Bus. Climb on the Magic School Bus. Yeah, somebody raise their hand. You want to go on the Magic School Bus? It's awesome. Those are the two choices. We can click that on and then leave the room and then we come back in the room. We can go in front of our children like this, snap our fingers. They're what? They are in the zone. I mean, they are entranced. We can talk to them and they'll say something like that, something back like, yeah, mama, yeah, yes, daddy. But they have, they don't know what we're saying. It's like going in because they are, they are zoned in to the magic school bus. Some of y'all are going to go home and Google the, the magic school bus. Um, don't. Just don't do it. It'll get in your head. The idea we laugh about, it's kind of funny, every generation that has grown up with television or, you know, radio or television, we, we've had that. We get zoned in on things. But the idea is, when they're listening to that, they're not listening to my voice or mama's voice 
And our Heavenly Father, He's calling out to us. And many times, we can get entranced by the world, by the world's message, by the world telling us this is what's important, this is the latest and greatest thing, this is what you should be listening to. Listen to us, we're going to take care of you. And we get so tuned in and transfixed to the world and the world's voice, who do we miss? We miss God's voice. And in fact, we can get so sucked in when He does try to speak to us, we don't recognize His voice because it's been so long since we've heard from Him. How do you hear from God? How do you make sure that you're listening to His voice and not these other kind of voices competing for your attention and your allegiance? Number one, it's to be in His Word because where's the first place He's going to speak to you? In His Word. I'm coaching some pastors right now. I don't, the Southern, South Carolina Baptist Convention is crazy. They've asked me to coach some guys. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go coach some guys. It's like the blind leading the blinds. I feel like I really don't feel adequate to do this. But I'm meeting with a few guys, and we're working through some things. And one of the questions I had to ask my guys last month, and this was, this was one of those like it cut to the core. This is pastors. And one of the questions was, if every member of your church spent the same amount of time with God as you did. How likely are you to see God work in your church? You know, we, it should not be hard to answer that question, but that's a hard question to answer. And I'll turn it around. If your children or your grandchildren spend as much time with God as you do, how likely are they to hear from God? I mean, we, we want to talk about our country or our community or our church or you know, how we can grow, how we can reach out and do better. It all starts here. Listening to Him and to His voice and to being committed to Him. That's where it started for Abraham. Listening to the voice of God. Number two, God calls us to leave the world behind. God calls us to leave the world behind. Now the Lord said to Abram, What? Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The very first thing then God, when God speaks, the very first thing that God gives to Abraham is a command. It's an imperative. Imperative means it's a command. It is not optional. Now, I had a hard time learning this as a kid. I had a hard time learning, and it it was one of those things, like I, I had to learn it over and over and over with my dad. When my dad told me to do something, that was not a suggestion. Like, Go take out the trash. Can you take the trash out? What was the only answer to that question? Yes, sir, sir, right away, sir. Right? when, When he told me to do something, it wasn't okay when you feel like it. Okay 
when you finish saving the princess or finishing the Legend of Zelda, which I never saved the princess. That's something Amy's done that I've never done. I never saved the princess. I didn't. She's done it. Yep, check plus. It's not on our timetable. It's not when we feel like it. It's not when we want to get around to it. No, a command is something that is not a divine suggestion. It's a command to be obeyed. And notice the first command that God tells Abraham to do God is not, you know, and looking at the whole story, it's like, okay, God's sending Abraham to go to the promised land. But the first part of the command is not the going to the promised land. That's where we all want to go to the promised land. That's like asking a kid if they want to go to Disney World. Yes, right? Like, no, let me think about it. No, maybe. I I don't know. Let other people go. No, every kid will say yes to that. We want to focus on going to the promised land, but the first command for Abraham was to leave something, to leave someone, to leave a place, to leave things. Why? Because in order to follow God, you must take up your cross and follow Him. And there's a cost. There's a cost to following Jesus. It means we've got to get off our own program and our own things and things that we're comfortable about and go... Get out of our comfort zone, but what's comfortable to us? There's, a, there's three spheres here that Abraham has to leave. Notice these. He says, go from your country. It's like the biggest sphere. Now think about, think about that. How, how proud are you of being an American? We've got some of the greatest patriots in this room right now. We've got people who have served in our armed forces and defended our country. We've got people, we've got people, some of you guys are so passionate about being patriots. You, you have been registered to vote since you came out of the womb and you don't miss any, you vote on ordinances and like optional things that aren't even binding. You go vote on them. I mean, you don't miss an election. You vote on everything. Imagine God telling you to leave America and not just on a short-term mission trip where you're going to come back, but one in which you have to renounce your citizenship. You have to turn your passport in and turn and renounce it. To follow the call of God would mean to denounce your national citizenship. How hard would that be? That would be tough. I love this country. We are blessed. I mean, I... Grew up singing the national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance and, and learning where we came from and just the freedoms that we have are unprecedented in, in the world. And if you look at human history, unprecedented in human history, God told Abraham to be willing. He needed to leave his country. Not only leave his country, but he said, and your kindred, that's your people. That's your people. I mean, that would be like, you know, when you're in South Carolina, it's your people. You know you can eat fried chicken, and it's okay. You know you can go in and you can ask for tea, and it's going to have sugar in it. They don't, you don't have to, and, it, and none of this like syrup sugar. 
Like brewed sugar in it. Yes. Come on. You know when you go in to a restaurant for breakfast, you're going to get a biscuit, not a bagel. I'm preaching now. That's like our people. We go on mission trips up north to try to take the gospel up to the north, to the hinterlands up there, where they're already under threats of snow, and we think that's just that's another place. It's just, it's just, it's just wrong. The place where they don't serve macaroni pie, Lord help them. They just don't know. We love the South. I love the South. I, lo- I mean, of course, I joke. Y'all tell me all the time, I'm not from the South. I'm from the North. I'm a Yankee. I was born in North Carolina. And my answer to that is, I couldn't help that. I got here as quick as I could. I married Amy. You know, God bless me. He can do a work in your life. You know, he can, he can change you and bless you and do a work in your life. And he did for me. But, I mean, imagine not only leaving your, leaving your country, but leaving your, your people. And here he said, and he even zeroed it down even more, and your father's house. The father's house would have been his his family. His father's house would have been his place of protection and provision. He, you know, in, in those those days, you know, you you your family was in a certain a certain profession, and and you carried on the the family profession. And the most basic building block of, of any nation or community is the family. When the family breaks down, everything breaks down. Here God's telling Abraham he's going to have to leave everything he's ever known to follow him. Now, why is that significant? Was God leaving anything out? What was God trying to do with Abraham? What, what was part of this test of faith? Do you trust me? Do you love me more than your country, more than your people, and more than your family? And God is asking us, He's calling us, when the, His call to us, He asks us the very same things. Do you love me? He wants to know if we love Him more than our own country. He wants to know if we love Him more than our own people. He wants to know if we love Him, even if our own, even if we had to go against our own family, would we follow Him? Didn't Jesus say the same thing? Jesus Jesus told him straight out. He said, if if you're not willing to hate your mother and father, you're not willing to be my disciple. You can't be my... He said, you can't be my disciple. And the idea was not that you're supposed to hate your parents. The idea is that your love for Christ... And uh, Dr. West brought this out last Sunday. That our love for Christ should be so strong, it should make our love for our family seem like hate because we love our allegiance is to Him first. I've seen many people fall and falter in their faith because they listen to their mama more than they listen to Lord Jesus. I have. I've had people, I've had people follow their daddy straight to hell 
rather than accept the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Abraham had to make a choice, and it wasn't going to be just raise your hand or walk down an aisle. He was going to have to leave everything behind to follow Jesus, just like every one of the disciples. Leave everything. Leave your nets. Let the dead bury their own dead, as Jesus said. Follow Him. He's calling us to leave everything behind to follow Him. But so many times, there are things holding us back. I want to ask you this morning, what is holding you back from answering God's call? What's holding you back from answering His call to salvation? What is it? What can you not give up to follow Him? What's holding you back from belonging? We talk about these these words, beginning. That's beginning your relationship with Jesus Christ. Belonging. We believe every person should have a relationship with Jesus Christ, should belong to a local church. None of this Lone Ranger Christian, you're just out there on your own, I worship God in the trees. God's actually called us and saved us into a community. We're better together. That's why he talks about that we're the body of Christ. And each part is important. What's holding you back from growing in your faith? There's many Christians that get reborn, new life in Christ, boom, and spend their whole time as spiritual babies. Can't get off the baby food. Yeah, Eden's laughing about that. She thinks that's funny. Because it is. There's, there are people that are well advanced in years, but are still eating those whipped up sweet potatoes. Amen. What's holding you back? What's holding you back from serving Him? And serving Him by showing and sharing God's love and grace with those around you. There's no room. You know, know, in the South, we talk about the good old ship of Zion, the gospel ship of Zion. The gospel ship of Zion is not a cruise ship where you get your ticket and the porter takes your bags and shows you to your stateroom and you get, I mean, of course, Baptists, we like the all-you-can-eat buffets and stuff like that. And you just like, you hang out on the cruise ship until Jesus comes back. The church is not the the good old cruise ship of Zion. We should be the battleship. We are in a spiritual war. And we should be going into the battle, taking the love of Christ to a world that's dark and dying and lost and sick and hurting. What's holding you back? God calls us to leave the world behind. And number three, God calls us to follow him. God calls us to follow Him. And God, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, from your kindred, and your father's house to the land that what? I will show you. Circle the word will. Notice, this was not, this was not the point at which God comes down to Abraham and shows him the video clip of the promised land don't, and says, don't you want to go there? It's going to be great. What does he tell him? It's the land I... I'm not going to even show it to you yet. 
you've got to trust me so much that you're willing to follow me to the place I'm going to show you. If you're like me and you're going on a trip, what's the first thing you do when you know you're going somewhere? Yeah, you figure out where you're going. I want to Google that thing, map quest it, get Siri involved. I want to, uh, you know, I want to figure out all the different routes. When we're going to New Jersey. Mike and I sat down with, with Apple Maps and we're like figuring out should we go the southern route or the northern route and and you're figuring out the tolls and all kinds of stuff and, and the mileage, how long it's going to take you to get there, what it's, what it's going to cost you to get there. And then you get on something like TripAdvisor and then you figure out all the places you're going to eat and the things you're going to do, like the top rated attractions, all those kind of things. You, you, want, I, you know, when I want to go somewhere, I want to plan it. I want to have an idea. I want to have a, I want to have a map. I want to have a plan in mind. And here... God's call for Abraham was to hear his voice, was to leave what he knew, was to leave his comfort, the comfort and security of his own people and his nation and his family, and to go to a place that God wasn't even going to tell him anything about it yet. He wasn't going to tell him how to get there. He wasn't going to tell him. You know, you got to think when you go with our kids, and I don't know where they hear this, but they, they're just, kids are born with the are we there yet syndrome. That's I mean, that's basically all Abraham had to go on was, our, was going to be our, looking at God going, are, are we there yet? Because you really didn't tell me where we're going or how long it was going to take us to get there. And God says in His Word, I call this principle here that God gives us what we need to know when we need to know it. He doesn't, he doesn't give us all the details. He doesn't give us step one through a thousand. He gives us the general idea. He says, just follow me. I'm going to point the direction out. You follow me in this direction, and I'm going to guide every step along the way. Truth be told, many of us are like planners, and we want to know, and we, we want God to tell us, I want step one through a thousand. You know, what, you know what you would do if God gave you step one through a thousand, like went ahead and told you the next thousand steps? You know what you would do? You would freak out. You would be in Pastor Mark's office quicker. He, his office hours will be booked up for the next six months because you would be so stressed out. Think about it. That's impossible. God gives us exactly what we need when we need it. He gives us exactly what we need to know when we need to know it. He gives us the strength we need when we need it. Not a day ahead and not a day late. He gives us the grace we need for each and every day. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will what? Yeah. He will... King James, direct your path. The literal, the literal reading of that, direct your path, the literal Hebrew under that, is make your path straight. He will make your path straight. In the, in the Old Testament times, you had to follow the path, and the, the paths were based on the fields, where the fields were. Sometimes they weren't a straight line, and it was particularly dangerous at night 
to go walking around because you couldn't see, and you might get off the path. And um, uh, elsewhere, uh, we, we read about God's Word, and what is God's Word? A lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Not a light from Cabela's that's going to let you see like a million candlewatts and it's going to light up the whole field. A light that we need to take the next step and to check and make sure, okay, are we still on the path? Okay, still on the path. Okay, next step. That's what following God is like. But like Peter, we sit out on the ship with the rest of the disciples. And God is standing, the Lord Jesus is standing out amongst the waves. And he's calling us to follow him. He's calling us to step out of the boat. And our, our eyes and our brain and our bladders are telling us to stay in the boat. But the Lord of the wind and the waves, the one who created the universe, the one who sustains the universe, is calling us to step out in faith and trust Him. And like Peter, He's calling us to step out in faith, to leave the world behind and to follow Him. The last question we have is what is our response going to be? Whenever God speaks, God doesn't speak just to hear His own voice. God speaks and He's looking for a response. What was Abraham's response? What's it say in verse 4? And Abraham left, took everything with him, including Lot. He even like threw Lot in there did as the Lord commanded and left. That doesn't say in here that Abraham went home and thought about it, sat in his chair, drank some coffee, slept on it. We don't know how long he deliberated. The text doesn't talk about Abraham deliberating. The text talks about Abraham going. What is our response to the call of God? Is, if you're here, God is calling you to salvation if you've never trusted Him and begin your relationship with Him, to begin your journey with Him. If you're here and you're not attached to a, to a local church, you're just out there sort of, you're in the, you're maybe, you may be in the wind right now. God may be calling you to belong, to land, to commit, to join with the family of believers. If you're here, God may be calling you to grow, to take the next step in your faith. If you're here, God may be calling you to serve, to show and share the gospel in a way that maybe you've never done. Maybe you're scared. In fact, Every one of these steps is going to require you to overcome your fear and step out in faith 
to trust God more than you fear others and what they might think or what they might do. So how do we answer God's call? Has He spoken? We must hear from God through His Word. We must leave the world behind. And we must step out in faith and follow Him. As we close this morning, I want to challenge you. What's your response? And how are you going to respond to God's call? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning. Your word is straightforward and clear today. You placed a call on Abraham's life and you have placed a call to everyone here to trust you and follow you. Lord, only you know through your spirit, only you know the next step for each person here. And my prayer is that each one, we would listen to you and respond in faithful obedience to the next step you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.